What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight. Yes, we deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5, flying high in both Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know, hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento like that. That's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Vernon Nunez. No Rich Ivanowski on here. He's going to be taking a little bit of a break with some personal things going on. Instead, we got Bryant West of the King's Herald. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? Well, I was a lot better before that game. Yeah. Yeah, that game being the uh, 102-94 loss that Sacramento just suffered in the second game to the Houston Rockets and... Uh, Man, uh, it was it was not a good game really from either team really. Um, and no. man, the uh, the offense. So no Halliburton, right? Which is a very big deal for this team. It turns out. Um, and man, yeah, the offense went with no Fox and Halliburton being out was was not pretty. No, it wasn't. You know, I I tweeted this. You know, for through six games. Uh, I would have said the Kings had been fairly uh, competent across all of them. They'd been competitive. Uh, they'd had real bright spots on both ends of the court. And then today just happened, and it was the least competitive game I've seen from them since Orlando. So uh, quite disappointing, especially against uh Houston Rockets team that was missing James Harden. I mean, I feel like most of the league could have easily beaten Houston today with how they were playing. Uh, yeah. Christian Wood was great. Um, John Wall continued his impressive resurgence. He was great. It was really nice to see him getting end to end as quick as he did in his prime. But that was about it. I can't yeah. honestly say that most teams would have beaten the Rockets today and the Kings scored 27 points in the second half, I think. No, 30 points in the second half. That's just incredible. And and how many came in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter where it was like already pretty much over? You know, for the longest time, they had two points in the fourth quarter. I want to say it was like four minutes left until they scored again in that quarter, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like you said, like Houston was legitimately bad today, too. Yeah, it's just, it was, it's incredible that a team with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald can have 
what is it, went and shoot nine for 28 from three and play so exceedingly slow. Like, it's never going to make any sense to me. Luke Walton said all off season they're going to play faster. Alvin Gentry came in. He's always run fast teams. And here De'Aaron Fox is dribbling up the ball slowly while John Wall runs the other way, full head of steam. Like, I, I don't understand what the Kings' offensive game plan was today, but it netted easily their least uh, impressive performance of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely moments like you see Walton screaming, I feel more than last season to run up the floor, um, but it's definitely still not as much as it should be when, when you have Fox on the team. Um, like, you say, like you're saying, Houston definitely felt like the faster roster out there, and that shouldn't be the case. Um, I, I will say, you know, the positive I want to or, – or, you know, real quick, I guess, before I dive into a specific player, 11 assists on the night, horrible, horrible. You can't, you can't win a game with 11 assists. And Houston didn't pass the ball amazingly either, 15 from them, but, like, you, you have to be moving the ball for Sacramento. How many times did we see hero ball from freaking Corey Joseph today? Way too many times. Way too many times. Corey Joseph is getting way too many minutes. 28 tonight was way too many minutes. I know that Tyrese Halliburton's not on the court, and you need to have guys who play traditional point guard roles, but... I mean, goodness gracious, Corey Joseph was the epitome of bad offensive decisions today, and that's saying something. Yeah, would you rather see some Kyle Guy minutes? We saw it a little bit in the, I want to say, at some point in the first half. I don't know if it was first or second quarter. Yeah, Kyle Guy only got six minutes, uh, went 0 for 3. I thought they were all okay shots, honestly. Um, yeah. But, I mean, at that point in the fourth quarter, Kings aren't doing anything. Uh, that would have been the time I would have brought in your boy, uh, Jemias Ramsey. Like, right. why you need a microwave score at that point? Why not go for a rookie shot? You're out of. They were out of this game in the third quarter. Yeah. So and I, I just Luke Walton has never been a guy whose rotations I've really understood. Um, this team is probably not as deep as we like to pretend they are until these youngsters really start proving themselves. Um, but like. Corey Joseph getting 28 minutes, Glenn Robinson the third getting 21 minutes. Why not play your rookies? You needed something, and this team didn't give you anything for the last 24 minutes. I expected Justin James tonight, actually, with Halliburton out. Um, I, I thought, you know, he just would have a little bit more trust yeah. or it be at the front of the pecking order when it came to when you're looking at uh, also um, Jemias Ramsey because um, mm-hmm. I kind of thought they were the two options at the two there with Halliburton being out, but didn't really see it. Um, so De'Aaron Fox, though, did play very well in this one. And, and I think that one of my big takeaways from this one is that the, the difference in offense and shots that Fox is able to get with the different spacing that they're throwing out there, because the spacing variance in some of these lineups is insane. Um, you know, one lineup, I think this happened within five minutes of itself. You see Fox, Kyle Guy, Glenn Robinson, Harrison Barnes, and Amanya Bielitsa. They got killed on defense, for sure. You know, they're sitting in a 2-3 zone, and Bielitsa's holding people's hands while they lay up the ball. But De'Aaron Fox is able to get to the rim every single time. He, he to me, looks more patient on that end. I feel like his handle is a little improved, and there's more of a bag um, of tricks that he has there. So I think that like spacing for De'Aaron is going to be so important this year because then you move to a lineup of Fox, Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and Rashawn Holmes. 
three people that are not respectable shooters. Um, like I guess Bagley and Kojo have their nights, but you don't need to really be like if you're a defense, you're more worried about stopping Fox getting to the rim, obviously. Um, and that's where you see Fox settle for a lot of these mid rangers, which I think he's become really good at this mid range shot. But I mean, you'd much rather him obviously be getting downhill. Um, and this is where I'm starting to get a little skeptical of this two big lineup. Yeah, I agree with you to a big extent. Um, I feel like especially in that second quarter, even when he was playing with a spaced out offense, I think De'Aaron Fox had so many, boy, I can't believe that didn't go in kind of layups that just bounced off. He should have had 30 points tonight. Um, This has been the big problem with Sacramento since they drafted Fox, and it will certainly be uh, Monty McNair's biggest challenge going forward is – figuring out how to have a spacing lineup around De'Aaron Fox that just doesn't get killed on defense. And unfortunately, at this point, the players that the Kings need to give real minutes to, aside from Buddy Heald and aside from Tyrese Oliverton, who was really missed tonight, nobody else is a guaranteed two-way kind of average player. Like, we really were hoping this would have been the year that Marvin Bagley's shot would have turned around and he had one three tonight and it went in. But I agree with you. That's not a spacing lineup. Right. Um, Barnes was good, at least. Yeah. If there's one thing in this season that I've been exceedingly uh, surprised with, it's just been how great Harrison Barnes has been. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that come February – some team, some veteran team, um, you know, maybe one in Boston comes to mind, will come calling for Harrison Barnes, or you know, he he's just too good, too versatile, too much of a veteran, two-way kind of guy to be really sitting on a three-and-three three Sacramento team. Um, but if he's your third best shooter in a lineup, that itself is limiting, and. I don't know, like you said, he was part of the optimized shooting lineup that they ran around tonight. So, um, like you kind of hinted at, it's it's pretty amazing that uh, Tyrese Halliburton has become so vital to this team already. Yeah, so I'm going to save my Halliburton hot take because we're going to get to a, a good portion of Halliburton uh, talk in this one. Um so the Kings have been switching a lot this year when when Bagley and Holmes are are the big men or the pairing out there. You know, when it's Whiteside, it's more of a 2-3 zone or drop because if you switch with Whiteside, uh, nobody wants to see that. Um, what do you – and this has also made harm uh, – excuse me, Barnes look really impressive, I think. Like there were nights uh, tonight that didn't really make sense to me of like – um, John Wall had Buddy healed on him, and then he comes and asks for a screen to get Barnes switched onto him, which I didn't really understand. And then Barnes does a good job of keeping Wall in front of him. So I think the switching has shown that Barnes um, is a really versatile defender, like we kind of know he is. But what have you made of of Bagley specifically switching? Um, because I think this is a method of you know using him on the defensive end that we haven't seen that much. And with the length and quickness that he has, I think it's at least intriguing. Yeah, you know, this has always been what I'd want the Kings to do with Marvin Bagley because it's what he needs to become on defense. Um, his his quick twitch explosiveness just screams for him to get all of the experience needed to become a switchable player. Um, and I think even at times tonight, 
I was almost more impressive, impressed with his defensive effort and success than I was with his offensive success. Um, and on the flip side, Rashawn Holmes has just been freaking fantastic on switches. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, honestly, he was the only guy tonight I thought was legitimately good on defense. Um, he handled it really well uh, a couple of times where they switched with him in there. So I have always wanted this Kings team to become switchable because, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be unlocked defensively when you put more switchable defenders around him. Um, I think De'Aaron Fox can become a havoc creator in his own right in the switchable defense. Um, it's the system I think is would be best for an optimized long-term Marvin Bagley of the future. So I'm really glad that they're doing it. It's just even tonight, more than any other night, it didn't work so well, especially in that second half when there were just waste too many open cuts to the lane. And, um, right. you know, like we said earlier, the, the, the competitive fire was definitely gone in that second half. Yeah, and then on the other end of the floor, um, you know, played teams that we saw Jay Crowder checking Bagley, and uh, I mean, I really wish that Jay Crowder or Bagley was able to post him up. Um, saw a lot of switching going on tonight, and the first Houston matchup, um, there were minutes, I felt like, in the second quarter of the first Houston matchup where Harden was actually the assignment on Bagley um, for a short stretch, and Bagley just wasn't really able to take advantage of it. I know Harden's like an underrated post defender. That's like the one aspect of his defense, right? And Jay Crowder's a pretty strong guy there. But it's like you have, what, five inches on these guys. Um, and, you know, the low post is supposed to be at least the area where you, you kind of have your offense that you can go to right now. And, yeah, obviously the efficiency for Bagley hasn't been great this year. Um, it's probably even a little bit of an understatement there. And, then uh, right after the game here, we get a tweet from uh, from Team Bagley. At Sacramento Kings, please trade Marvin Bagley the third ASAP. Love Coach Bagley. And I'll say, you know, I don't – Bagley hardly played in the second half of the the first uh, Houston matchup. Did he play at all, actually? Do you remember this? No, I don't. I, I definitely don't think he played – significant minutes at yeah. all in the last two second halves against it, Houston. It didn't play in the fourth quarter at all in the most recent Houston no. one. Like, I get the frustration. And he had, or I think it was the, because um, he had one really impressive game that I think you and I were kind of going back and forth a little bit. Um, and then and then he didn't play the whole second half. I want to say it was the second Nuggets game. Um, yes, it was. He had that super impressive first half where he had like 14 points in the second quarter. And then the Kings right. were doing so well that Luke Walton just decided, oh, I'm not going to give him any minutes. You know, I guess there's there's a real balancing act to Marvin Bagley, and there always has been. Um, I I refuse to have any absolute opinions about Bagley until he plays at least 20 games. Um, you know, I, I won't pretend he's played well in the last week. He had that awesome run in Denver that just – screeched to a halt in Houston and clearly his confidence and his patience has been replaced by seriously rushed play and a whole bunch of missed bunnies. Um, But I mean, to be fair, I also expected him to struggle to begin the season because of course he would. He's a complicated player who's always been a challenge to optimize on either end of the court. He was so in college. He was his rookie year. He didn't really play 
very exceedingly well until the last couple of months of his rookie game where he got a full head of steam on him. So, of course, he would be really in the flow of things after basically missing a whole year after not playing in a team-oriented five-on-five court for almost a year. Um, His weaknesses are well-discussed. I mean, this is Rich's podcast. Rich has shared them all a hundred times. And they're all weaknesses that a young player would only overcome by extended playing time. So I don't know if he'll ever become an efficient player. And the Kings have been trying to find that answer out for three years now. And unfortunately, the only way to find that out is to give him extended run with the starters. So I get Bagley's frustration. Uh, I kind of get his dad's frustration, although... I would hope that his dad would have the same approach that I just did. Like, dude, just have a little freaking patience. The Kings know that they have to answer this question. There's nothing probably, aside from is De'Aaron Fox worth a max contract, there's probably nothing more important this season for the Kings to figure out than is Marvin Bagley a part of this core going forward. So it's absolutely absurd for his dad to come out six games into the season and say, Kings trade him. Kings don't know who Marvin Bagley is right now. Marvin Bagley doesn't know who Marvin Bagley is right now. He's getting used to NBA physicality, NBA speed again. Like he's hesitating a lot more uh, when it comes to full contact. I mean, honestly, the only thing I think he's been exceedingly good at through all six games has been rebounding. That's just offensive rebounding, really. Yeah, just off. I mean, and there were a couple offensive rebounds tonight where I was like, hey, that was great. And yeah. that was pretty much it. So, yeah, if I if I was the Kings, I would just tell all of my fans, you got to have more patience with this kid. And I'd call Marvin Bagley's dad up and be like, you are not helping him. You're not helping this team. You're not helping anybody. It's six games into the season. Why are we having any set opinions on probably the most complicated Sacramento King in the last decade? Yeah, and I think, you know, six games in and we've seen probably that Denver quarter uh, that you mentioned was probably the best quarter of basketball we've seen from Bagley. And I think, you know, that gives a little bit of reason for encouragement. Like, you know, there's been there the flashes and I get why at this point people want more than flashes and a little bit of consistency. But um, a lot of injuries and it was always a project player. You know, he has things he needs to still figure out, obviously. Um so and you can't become a not project player until you work through and get the minutes for that. Like, right. I would be a lot more ready to be as pessimistic as a lot of Kings fans are right now. If we knew what this guy was and I don't feel like after the playing time that he's got in the last two years, we have any idea. So it's really hard to tell Sacramento Kings fans to be patient. I get it. Yeah. I really get it, but it's just this there isn't a winnable situation for Marvin Bagley and the Sacramento Kings that doesn't involve long extended playing time and a heck of a lot of understanding that this is a twenty one year old dude who's always had the most complex game. So it sucks. Right. It sucks to see a kid struggle on both ends of the court and and then have his dad come on Twitter and tell the team to trade him. It's a terrible situation for Sacramento. And we all know like the shadow of the 2018 draft didn't go away just because Vladi Divac isn't the decision maker anymore. Right. It's very Kangs. It's very Kangs. It's very Kangs. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I like that, like, I, obviously they shouldn't, I mean, he should be getting more minutes than what you saw in the Denver game, than what you saw in the second Houston game. Like, I, I do think that you should throw him out there, obviously, more than you have. Um, there shouldn't be these crazy stretches of him not playing at all because Rashawn Holmes is is playing well. Like, Holmes is probably off the roster next season. Um, and it's just about, like, what are you playing for? Um so I don't know. I've liked that they've experimented with a lot of Bagley at the five. I was really worried going into yeah. this year with with the white side signing specifically that we weren't going to see that. Um, and I actually am surprised and, and happy that we haven't – that they've already been willing to kind of cut white side out of the rotation because he's been genuinely bad. Yeah, thank goodness. I mean, if I have a lot of complaints about how Luke Walton has managed the lineups this year, but – Going away from Whiteside fairly quickly is not one of them. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, um, with now being six games in here, what has been, we'll start with the most underwhelming aspect of the season so far for you. Um, well, if you had asked me before this game, I would have said, boy, there's not a ton of over underwhelming um, things because – this team is competitive on both ends, and really that's all I asked for going into this season. I didn't expect this team to be um, all that great on either end of the court, and they were uh, you know, a missed three-pointer away in the last contest against Houston from being 4-1. and one. They've, they've been right. competitive in those first five games. This game was easily uh, the biggest disappointment of the season. Um you know, I hate I hate to harp on on this guy because he's clearly an important veteran for this locker room. But I am so ready to not give Corey Joseph 23 minutes of contest. I am so ready. Give Kyle Guy more extended run. Give him more than six minutes and then pull him and not play him again. I mean, give Javis Ramsey some minutes. Corey Joseph is a point guard who can't dribble, pass, or really shoot that well. And Tyrese he can Allen dribble in place. Of, he can dribble in place. Let me tell and you. And he can hold the ball over his hand yeah, yeah. and <laughs> stare around the court and try to find some guy open. I, um, I swear that they just don't have any set ideas of what to do when Corey Joseph gets the ball in the corner. Yeah. But Tyrese Halliburton has covered up for so much of Corey Joseph's flaws that I think Corey Joseph has deceptively looked okay. But I, you know, I understand that no NBA team says six minutes, six games into the season. All right, this veteran who's clearly an important voice in our locker room, you're not getting any playing time, and we're just giving it to our second round picks over the last two years. It's just not how an NBA locker room does it. But at some point, I don't know, give Corey ten minutes, give Kyle Guy ten minutes, then the next game give Ramsey ten minutes, just do something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that like like you said, when Halliburton's out there, that Kojo's not as bad. Like the main main frustration of Kojo is dribbling the air out of the ball, right? And it's hard for me to like pinpoint is this on Joseph or is this just there's no play going on and he doesn't know who to give it to and like the play call is just make something happen and Corey Joseph's not that guy. De'Aaron Fox is the only person that's like that, really. Um Yep. So yeah, I mean, I feel like when Halliburton's out there, I actually didn't think Halliburton was ready to be like a primary playmaker uh, on any unit. Um, but that's 
been the case. I mean, he's definitely the second best option after Fox on this team. Um, and when you're running out of lineup with him and Corey Joseph, uh, much rather have the ball in Halliburton's hands. And yeah, I mean, he's, he shot okay from three Joseph. Um, and since the team defense has been better, like he, he's part of good rotations when the, when the ball swinging around, uh, for the opposing offense. But yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm with you with definitely the state of the team. I, I would rather see other guys get some run, but I think this was particularly frustrating game from Kojo because there was no Halliburton out there. Yeah, I agree. It's, it is very weird that it only took six games into the season for us to realize how important Tyrese Halliburton is to making a dang NBA team work. So what's the most impressive part of the season for you, Brian? <laughs> Sorry to lead in like that. Um, you know, I was like you. Post-draft, I was worried that I was overexpecting immediate success from Tyrese Halliburton. You know, I wrote a whole article about it after the Kings drafted him. I didn't think it would be this immediate success. And I've always thought, like so many people on NBA Twitter, that Tyrese Halliburton will be best at the next level by playing with other initiators. And that's certainly been the case. He has been as awesome as he's been because he has got an extended run with De'Aaron Fox. And Lord help me, those have been the happiest minutes of this season for me. But, I mean, he's a 6'5 skinny kid, and he's out there probably the Kings' second or third best player. So I was going to say this. This is my hot take. Halliburton's the second best player on the team. Yeah. Already, which is I, ridiculous. A, I would probably put Harrison Barnes over him so far this season, but it's not crazy. Yeah. And that in itself is crazy. I mean, I didn't think, you know, when he was in college, the appeal of Tyrese Halliburton was that he was such a high instinct player that even if he wasn't the quickest or the most explosive guy, he was always three steps ahead of guys. And you never go into the NBA expecting a guy to be three steps ahead of anybody. And Tyrese Halliburton is three steps ahead of his opponents. Like, good Lord. Um, his efficiency. He's insane. exceeded every yeah, every one of my expectations. He's exceeded. Um, and I'm glad his game has already caught the attention of the NBA world because, you know, 10 points and four assists is not crazy on paper. I mean, if you look at his efficiency numbers, you look at his on-off splits, those are insane. But just 10 points, four assists, that's not crazy. All it takes is for you to look at him in one game and just be like, wow. This guy is absolutely game-breaking in ways that just don't show up off the stat sheet. And, it, I mean, it took the Kings one game to implode without him. Yeah, deflections. Um, I want to I want to list those those shooting percentages that you kind of you mentioned there. Fifty-two percent from the field, fifty percent from three on um, uh, on four attempts a game which is no joke of volume there, and 87% from the free throw line, not too much volume there. Um, yeah, and, and obviously just not really turning the ball over. I think that was the story for a little while. He had in the first Houston game, I think his first turnover that I was like, okay, that was just a straight a bad pass, and it was picking up his dribble too early, which funnily, like we saw that a lot in the first game, and it was like, okay, well, he's going to need a little bit of adjustment time. He looks a little uncomfortable. That was one game. That was one game. Um, and he's just 
he's flowing out there. Um, and yeah, 22 assists to only four turnovers. At, and he's not making conservative passes or anything like this. No. Um, yeah, pocket he's still passes. making his crazy jump passes. No looks, no looks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I do want to real quick because there's a lot of Halliburton hype. I've seen people a little crazy that, you know, he's the lock for rookie of the year. Let's talk this through because there's a lot of players in this in yeah. this class that are, like, going to put up numbers and going to be highlights more than Halliburton is, right? Like, right now he's got some hype, um, and I was surprised how quick national media picked up on it, actually. Um, but, I mean, what, Anthony Edwards, for example, first pick of the draft, right? 15 points um, a night. I mean, like, honestly, even just putting up 15 points a night and he's going to have moments of 30-plus, like, that alone, yeah. like, is probably going to get more hype for this rookie of the year. Yeah, I agree. Um, James Wiseman, too. Yeah. I mean, he's he's the other clear guy. Um, Golden State's probably worse than Sacramento at this point, but he's going to put up those minutes, and he's getting the attention. Right. Um, I mean, LaMelo Ball's been a lot more efficient than I think any of us really thought in terms of just his shooting numbers. They've been fine. And I did not I mean, realize he was shooting 45% from three, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know that if those numbers stick around, it's not going to be very hard for the NBA to uh, get a whole bunch of people excited for those those uh, Hornets games. Um, if it was Halliburton versus the field, I'd take the field easy. Yeah. Um, I've been really glad that – so many not Kings fans have taken notice of how great Tyrese Halliburton has been. Cause like we talked about earlier, his impact goes well beyond just points and assists numbers. Um, he's truly just a two way star role player even now, which is great. Um, but I don't know that he's, his game is built for, rookie of the year yeah for sure I think he could be the best rookie this season um and still not win the award yeah I agree maybe if he was in Los Angeles right. or somewhere where he was getting a million eyeballs Taylor Horton Hup- Tucker type yeah <laughs> speaking of <laughs> Iowa State guys oh right that was unintentional yeah um yeah 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 I, I mean love the guy for sure like I said maybe second best player on this team already um or at least like second least replaceable player on this team right now. Um, but yeah, rookie of the year, probably going to slow down a little bit just because of the nature of how the award uh, is usually awarded. And yeah, I mean, some of these guys sitting at the top are, are, are going to put up good counting stats, even mm-hmm. if the efficiency is not really there. And that tends to get looked over a little bit sometimes. Yeah. But then again, when was the last time the rookie of the year was the ended up being the best player in the draft. Yeah. Can you think really. of it? Luca? Luca is Probably. the only one that comes to immediate mind over the last like five years. Yeah, like so Yeah, Morant. Okay, so we have Morant, Luca, oh, yeah, Morant. Simmons. Oh, okay. All right. Simmons definitely. Yeah, cat. Yeah, some of them. But but like I don't know, like, at the same time, Halliburton was always, like, a high-floor guy, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't expect him, neither of us expected him to be this good this early, 
But like these other guys could totally surpass him throughout their careers. Um, but Halliburton was always going to be the guy more NBA ready. Um, and you're definitely yeah. seeing that. Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton has always been a complicated player to get uh, people who didn't watch him in college ready for what he is, what he brings on the court and what kind of lineup he needs around him to be optimized. So it's just, I, I, I freaking love how quickly Sacramento has realized how special he is because he's played excellently on both ends of the court. Um, so I, I don't think it's important that he wins rookie of the year in order to be the superstar role player and excellent, um, guard combo with De'Aaron Fox going forward. Yeah. Um, Sacramento got a freaking steal at 12. That's all we need to say. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. I mean, I would say, you know, while well, well, Rookie of the Year is probably not there, and, and these don't really mean anything, but they're fun. You know, how often do we get awards for players in Sacramento? Yeah. Um, first team All-Rookie? I feel pretty good about that oh, one. Yeah. I feel real good I about that one. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, all right. So how what's what's the panic meter here if, if they shit a brick against Golden State? I don't. I don't have any panic meter at all. I mean, let's be real. This team is was a a fortunate bounce in that first Denver win away from being two and four right now. And they were a three-pointer away in the last Houston game from being four and two. Like, right. we don't know what this team is. This team was competitive up until tonight. And that's really the only thing I wanted out of this season. Like, I still don't think Sacramento is anything more than the 10th or 11th most talented team in the West. And as you've talked about all off season, if the Kings aren't good this year, it's not bad. No, it's not. You it's need more elite. I, you need more elite talent on this team. Or, Unless this team implodes and the locker room crumbles and De'Aaron Fox suddenly isn't scoring 20 points and seven assists a night, I, I'm not going to panic about the season. I have no expectations for the season. 
I just has, want the Kings to play some fun, meaningful games. Has any has your opinion changed of the team this season from what it was um, before the games kicked off, based on what you've seen in these six games? I didn't think they'd be three and three. I thought they'd be one and seven, honestly. Yeah, I, mean, I expected you know, some somewhere. But yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, so I'm more impressed with the team than I think I was expecting to be. Yeah. But I'm not going to let that sway my opinion on what this team is going to be at the end of this season. Yeah, for sure. I'll also say I've – Sacramento exceeded my expectations, not by too much, Um, and and obviously we're six games in. I I would say tonight probably more telling uh, than some of these other games. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like – Memphis, Sadly. yeah, Memphis, jaw just went down, and Triple J is out for a while. They look worse than expected, and obviously those injuries weren't expected. Minnesota looks bad. Minnesota does not look good. Um, well, Cat also out, obviously. D'Lo, uh doesn't seem to be uh, the most popular guy he's uh, anymore. Uh, definitely that that uh, feelings are changing a little bit there, it seems. And then Golden State looks pretty rough too, so. Yeah, I, I I think that, I don't know, I, I had them, I want to say, 13th in the West going into this year, and I'll probably bump them up to about 11 right now if I had to reorder. Um, but, yeah, not all too big of a difference. That's still kind of the range that I had them in here. Um, so, yeah, let's – speaking of, like, the team, obviously it's fine if they're not good this year. You're obviously the draft guy for Kings Herald. We might as well – talk about what could be added to this team, uh, tease it a little bit for in the 2021 draft. What, yeah, what sort of talents um, are we talking about here? It's a lot of wings, right? A lot of wings. Um, although, ironically, I think, you know, you guys did a really good breakdown a couple uh, weeks ago of the seven or eight players that are most intriguing. Um, there have been a couple of guys who've moved around since then, like – I definitely think Evan Mobley, the center from USC, deserves uh, a lot of attention if the Kings are in that two to five range. I mean, I think he's the the two-way kind of center that this team could really use. Um, I would love to have rim protection on this team every night. (laughs) I would love to to have a guy who can protect the rim and can actually – has really good touch around the basket mm-hmm. and can make some assists yeah. and does rebound the ball. Um, you know, there's a ton of wings, like you said. Um, I'm still writing that BJ Boston can turn this around if Kentucky ever figures out what the heck they're doing. Training. I wanted to ask you about this because apparently, like his shooting's been horrible, or what? I watched like his first two, three games, and it was rough. But I figured he the shot would start falling. Hasn't happened. Kentucky, Kentucky's just all the way around weird right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, BJ Boston shooting 36% from the field. Let's not Ooh. sugarcoat it. Like, Ooh. yeah. But Marvin Bagley numbers right there. So, <laughs> <laughs> if the Kings are in that uh, 10 range, it, it, it doesn't, it's not crazy. Upside swings are good in my opinion. Yeah. That's what this team needs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hate saying this because the only thing that the G League has given us is those highlight reels, and it's it sucks trying to 
prognosticate any kid just based off highlight reels, but oh, I love Jonathan Kuminga. That guy is so much fun to watch. Um, Jalen Green's a lot of fun to watch, although I definitely don't really want the Kings to go out there and get any more six four six five guys. Right. Um, Jalen Suggs is unfortunately kicking a lot of ass for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, and that's making me and my alma mater of St. Mary's very sad. <laughs> but I love that he's going to uh, take up a high draft slot for some team that really wants a guard because it'll push more of these wings down to the Kings. Um, Zaire Williams, he's kind of in the same boat as BJ Boston. His shooting numbers aren't great, but he's in another iffy situation. You know, I think if there's one thing that I underestimated going into the season, and I'm not going to pretend that my draft viewing expands beyond just college basketball. I'm not a big, I'm going to go watch somebody from high school tape kind of guy. Can't blame you. Can't blame you. Yeah. Um, the, there's a lot of these guys who we kind of circled at the beginning of the year, like this is a guy to watch, who have just ended up in really bad collegiate situations. Um, and to be fair, that was kind of like last year. I mean, the King's Pulse podcast is was the official hype train for Cole Anthony. Half and of the Cole King's Anthony, Pulse podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and he was absolutely dreadful in a dreadful UNC team last year. So He looks pretty good um, in Orlando, and, too, I will and say. Now he's looking great in Orlando. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's not great draft anal, uh, analysis to say, boy, all of these guys will look better in NBA spacing with NBA teammates who pass them the ball and get them better shots. I mean, that's not crazy. Um, So I definitely think that the top of this draft is, I mean, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley are my one and two. I don't think that's going to change. Do you have any early crushes? uh, I would really love to watch a Jonathan Kuminga full game because, Lord, help me, he's the kind of guy I always fall in love with. we I usually think. have the same type of guy, so it sounds like yeah. i got to hop on <laughs> Kuminga here. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. You and I exist to drive Richard nuts. It's true, yeah. What What do you uh, – we, we don't need to dive into this too much. We'll probably do a whole separate pod on this. What do you make of uh, Scotty Barnes? Because I feel like he fits our prototype here. He does. Um, you know, I watched that Indiana game, and I was not crazy impressed because he was clearly a live wire kind of defender, like going all over the place. And he wasn't great on offense, but um, I, I've unfortunately not carved out any more time for him um, since then. And I just look at his numbers at 5.8 assists per 36. Clearly, I need to go watch this guy again. Yeah, no. Because I mean, there's what a I whole saw. lot of smarter guys out there telling me that he's absolutely worth a top uh, Kings range pick, like 7 to 10. Yeah, right. I think I need to go watch him. Yeah, the offense I saw was horrible, horrible. I was like, you know, going into it, kind of what I read up, I was like, oh, this might be a bigger Okoro right here. They're talking about the playmaking and everything. I was not seeing it. Like, Okoro could do everything on the offensive end but shoot the ball, right? <laughs> um, and that's just not what I had seen with Barnes so far. But, yeah, going to have to update myself a little bit there. Yeah, um, I guess we can close going into the next game against the Golden State Warriors. 
like you, you really, even though, I mean, we're talking about the draft here, so obviously we're not all too pushy for wins. Golden State's been really bad. Like it, it would honestly be embarrassing to be the team that lets Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins get back into a rhythm here. Yes, it would. Kings can't come out with the same uh, effort they had in the four, in third and fourth quarter today. And, um, you know, they had a lot of bright moments on offense earlier this season. Um, and while they're not going to have Tyrese Halliburton back to the next game, so they're not going to have their second best playmaker on the court, they can't come out with that same offensive um, ability. Or they're just, it's it's just over and all of the goodwill that they've earned so far this season will just fully implode. Yeah. I uh, definitely should have mentioned earlier, but Halliburton's injury right now is a hard fall that he took in the first Houston game. I think it's a bruised left hand, which was also the hand that he injured his sophomore year of um, of at Iowa State, but not too much cause for concern right now. Uh, just seems like playing it safe. He'll be reevaluated after this Golden State game when they get back in Sacramento. I know that we cannot, we all can't wait to see him back out there, um, but that's pretty much all I got here, Brian. Is there anything else you want to throw out there? No. Um, I even after today, I think I've been more impressed by where the Kings are to this point than I expected to be. Um, and Tyrese Halliburton looks like a absolute long-term piece for this team. And if you can come out of this season with nothing more than De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are going to lead this team into the future. That's that's fine for this season, honestly. I hate to have yeah. such low expectations for a team that will almost that is likely to miss the playoffs for the 15th straight year in a row. But yeah, there have been worse King seasons. Definitely has, um, and we'll see what what goes on with this uh, whole. Bagley situation. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be patient, Dad. Agree. Come on, Coach Bagley. You're you know your kid. You know him. You've watched him more than any of us. You can't. Uh, Marvin Bagley's dad cannot honestly tell me that he thought his son would come in and be immediately back in a flow with an NBA team six games into the season. I refuse I, to believe that. I get the feeling he would tell you that. To be honest. <laughs> Um, it's just mind-boggling. I know, I know. So, everybody listening, um, we always have a post sticky to the top of the Kings Reddit that you can go comment there that we're guaranteed to see if uh, you have any feedback or questions you want us to touch on on the next episode, anything like that. And great work from from Bryant, myself, and everybody else over there going on at kingsherald.com, updating you throughout the whole season if there's anything new on Bagley situation, injuries, anything of, of that sort. Um, definitely will be updates there, so check out that site, obviously, and support the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.